Collegiately speaking. And we are underway. Needs a block on the kicker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. With Dave Eddy and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Oh boy, we've missed that. Hey everybody, welcome back to Collegiately Speaking after a, a brief absence of, I don't know, a couple of years, but we're back with you. Dave Ennett, Dan Persa. We're going to be joined by my partner on Northwestern Football Broadcast, Ted Albrecht, and also Matt Fortuna from The Athletic, Super Joe Romano, putting it all together for us. Dan, great to be back with you, ready to go another season, and a season I think that will feel more like uh, hopefully like 2018. I was going to say 2019. I don't necessarily want to feel like 2019 again, uh, but we know it won't feel like 2020. 12 games on the schedule and everybody gets going under kind of normal circumstances and uh welcome back let's go absolutely it's, it's good for everybody's psyche to, to be back and, and and you know it's not necessarily normal outside but it feels feels normal in, in college football land so it's uh, an exciting time and a, and a good distraction from some other stuff going on you know i was on the northwestern campus this week I, I was watching the team practice and as I was leaving I drove past one of the fields on the campus and there was the Northwestern Wildcat marching band not in uniform but out on the field with their instruments rehearsing it's things like that Dan as you know that make college football what it is it's it's the bands the cheerleaders the pageantry the the tailgating all those things that were missing last year and I think really set the game aside from from other sports make it special and make game day or in this case game night special and you know it's it's really a relief to see all that great I saw the same thing I saw the band out there which always gives me goosebumps knowing that that the season's right around the corner and and you know getting ready to to, like you said get out there and and tailgate and and get the fans back in the stands and, and get the energy and the pageantry that comes along with college football is is frankly why so many people love it. Um, and it's and it's very exciting to have it back. All right, Dan, we're joined by Ted Albrecht, former Chicago Bears first rounder and my partner in Wildcat football for the past 300 years or so. Uh, Ted, good to be back with you for another season starting uh, this week at Ryan Field against Michigan State. And also joining us, Matt Fortuna, who covers college football for The Athletic, does a terrific job. And Matt, thanks for taking a few minutes for us. I know it's a busy week. Everybody's excited. The start of college football. Uh, I, I guess as you look at the Big Ten going into the 2021 season, People are still trying to figure out where all the pieces fall into place here. Uh, what team is going to come out of the West? Can Northwestern repeat? Is Wisconsin the, the team to beat in the, the Big Ten West? How do you see things shaping up? Yeah, guys. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, to see you all in person Friday night um, at, at Ryan Field. I can't wait to, to see you all. Hopefully, you'll be a, a packed house. Uh I think this is as hard of a year to forecast in the Big Ten as I can remember. I mean, 
when you look at last season, and not to take away from you know the success that Northwestern and Ohio State had, I just think last year was such a disjointed season for the conference that I don't know how much we can use 2020 um, as kind of a basis for predicting for how 2021 will unfold. I mean, I, I know Indiana's kind of the flavor of the month right now. I, I don't. I mean, we'll see. I think Tom, and Al, Tom Allen has that program building in the right direction, but I think that division is also so difficult that they could definitely finish off with a worse winning percentage than they did last year. I also think Penn State is a team that uh, you know got bad luck with a bad call in the opener against Indiana last year, had a couple opt-outs, and you know they did win their last four games, but they started out 0-5. It just did not look like the Penn State team that we're accustomed to seeing in recent years. So I'm as curious as anyone else to see how things unfold. I mean, Northwestern's won Two of the last three division titles, and in the one year they didn't win it, they went three and nine, and now they're starting the same quarterback that they started during that three and nine year, albeit with a new or different offense coordinator in Mike Pajakian. So, a lot of questions. I think those questions only got amplified by the small sample size we got this past Saturday when we saw Brett Bielema use his debut with a backup quarterback, nonetheless, to, to, to extend the misery of the Scott Frost era in Nebraska. So, I'm excited. It's really open season right now, and I can't wait to see it started. Yeah, Matt, thanks again for joining us. Dan Percy here. What's your take kind of dovetailing off what you just said? What's what's the feeling in Lincoln and, and Ann Arbor and maybe some other hot seats around the conference? And, and is, is was last year, to your point, kind of given a pass? Or, or what are the expectations coming out, out of those large programs? You know, I, I haven't seen two Blue Bloods be as transparent as Michigan and Nebraska have been as far as the, the, their kind of ultimatum to their own coaches, both of whom – uh, we should add, or legendary quarterbacks coaching at their alma mater. So it's not like everyone there wants these guys to fail or wants to fire these guys. They want to give these guys every benefit of the doubt and every reason to succeed as possible. But we'll start with Nebraska since they just played. I mean, you have a new AD there, Trev Albert. So I think, you know, having played under Tom Osborne, certainly is rooting for Scott Frost and, and wants to see him succeed. But when you see those reports come out about potential NCAA violations, as minor as they are, this feels like Tennessee all over again, where they're in their third year with Jeremy Pruitt. Things aren't being as successful on the field as everyone had hoped. There's a massive buyout. In this case, with Nebraska, I believe it's about $20 million to pay Scott Frost to go away after this year. And uh, you let that get out there, and you don't exactly you know, fight it, at least publicly, the NCAA sanctions. That sounds to me like you're laying the groundwork to, to not pay this guy and to fire him on the cheap if he does not succeed this year. And based on what we saw this past week, I have a hard time seeing a path forward for Nebraska football in 2021. As far as Jim Harbaugh, the guy took like my math's off here. I'm doing it off the top of my head. He took something close to a 50% pay cut and basically had to fire half his staff. They went from one of the oldest staffs of the country to one of the youngest of the country. I don't think they have a guy above the age of 40 on that staff outside of the head coach. So they definitely got younger. They've definitely been recruiting better. There's a lot more energy and juice on the recruiting trail. That's the only way you really have any chance or hope of competing with Ohio State. Um, I'm looking less at the win-loss record for Jim Harbaugh this year than I am really how competitive they are in that game, assuming they're, they're maybe you know 9-2 or something or 8-3 and three going into that game. I mean, I, I, I've seen the over-unders for Michigan at about 7.5 or so. I can't imagine Jim Harbaugh comes back if they win only seven games. I think you know what you're getting at this point. It's been a very unimaginative offense. It's been a very stagnant operation from the recruiting trail, but they at least seem to take steps in the right direction to fix that internally 
during this offseason. Now it's a matter of seeing you know what kind of talent's on that roster and what can they do uh, in 2021. Last year, Northwestern and Indiana were seen as the surprise teams. At least that was the, the perception uh, as you looked at the conference is there a team that you see this year, uh, aside from those two, that might be lurking out there that might kind of fit that description? Yeah, I don't know if I see any that are going to threaten to get to Indianapolis as far as surprises. I think because there have been so many different teams, at least in the West, making it in recent years, it's hard to say a surprise. But you know, based on what I saw, saw this week, I really like what Brett Bielema has gotten going so far in Illinois. I don't think they're a threat to win the division, but I mean, they could be a threat to make a bowl game, which is would be the second time they've done that in the last seven years or so. It's no small matter in Champaign. So, I mean, to, to, to beat Nebraska in your first game when your quarterback, your three-year starting quarterback goes down in the first half, that's impressive. And look, they looked like the better team in that game. Like They, they had a 21-point lead in the second half and really seized control of that game. I think that was very impressive, regardless of how strong or how poor Nebraska ends up being this season. I think that that resets the conversation a little bit about what Illinois can do this year. And I, I think Penn State's due for a bounce back this year as well. They have a very difficult schedule. The East on its own is tough. Uh, in the West, they're opening at Wisconsin. They play, I believe, at Iowa this year as well. I mean, it's a, I think Penn State could be a massively improved football team that finishes only 8-4 and four or so. But I, I think James Franklin got the coordinator he wanted all along in there and Mike Gierczyk's. And we've seen Sean Clifford at his best two years ago, and that was a team that went 11-2 and and won the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if they have a path to a New Year's Six game this year just because of that schedule, Uh, but I could see them being the second-best team in the East behind Ohio State. Well, I'll give you guys a fun fact. Exactly two years ago today, on August 31st at Stanford, Hunter Johnson started his first game as a Wildcat. Now we move forward two years later, after studying under Peyton Ramsey and a new coordinator in Bajakin, I think he's going to really rely on his offensive line. This is probably the best offensive line the Cats have had in a decade. In a decade. And that's very important. And the reason that's so important is we've lost Cam, Cor- uh, uh, Cam Porter for the year. So now you take an experienced offensive line that can control the run game. And, and by the way, transfer Andrew Clare from Ohio is going to be a great addition. We also got Evan Hall from a year ago and the true freshman, Anthony Torres, the third. But this offensive line can now create a run game, protect the quarterback, help him out with his confidence. And I think Bajakian is going to do a very good job of designing some stuff for his skill sets. He's going to start him off slow, get him some confidence, play, you know, play that little short passing game a little bit, but really it's all on the shoulders of that offensive line. If this line can control the line of scrimmage, help out the quarterback with a great running game, I think we got a nice combination going on offense. Well, Matt, it certainly doesn't hurt Northwestern that they uh, their crossover games this year did not involve the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, Penn State, or Indiana. I mean that, and a lot of this really does come down to scheduling, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. At least based on our, our preconceived notions of what these teams should be, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I, I've made many bad predictions in the past. I look at a team schedule and think of this as a harder or easier schedule than it should be. But, I mean, I don't think there's any question about it. When you look at the draw the Cats got this year, um, it, it's definitely favorable. 
Hey, Matt, we appreciate the time. We know you're busy uh, covering practice, so we'll let you go, and hopefully we can check in with you here uh, from time to time during the course of the season. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. Look forward to seeing you guys for Friday. Sounds good. That's Matt Fortuna covering college football from The Athletic. Uh, Ted Albrecht, Dan Percy here. I'm Dave Ennett. And, uh, Ted, I think we, we kind of know where you stand as far as the Wildcats go as they get set to open it up against Michigan State. When you talk about maybe their best offensive line in a decade, you know, now you're going back to, like, Dan Persa territory, right? <laughs> uh, the the Persa era. Okay, okay, Dan Perso, what do you think of my prediction? (laughs) No, I think you're right. And, and, you know, Coach Pajakian does a really good job of just managing the quarterback. And and I think as long as he does that um, and and we we get some easy throws early in the game, get get Hunter's confidence up, um, it's going to be an effective offense. And like you said, I I believe they're going to be able to run the ball. Um, obviously missing Cam Porter is a, a tough loss, but for, fortunate for the Wildcats, they're they're very deep at running back with Evan Hole and, and like you mentioned, um, Andrew Clare and, and, and Tyus, um, I think who they're very impressed with. As long as as long as those three stay healthy, I think the running game will be fine. If if we lose or if the Cats lose another one of those, I think it gets a little bit dicey. Um, but I'm just I'm very interested in to see uh, you know how the the receiving core plays um stuff with the the addition of, of robinson from kansas i think he's an exciting player um but you know the the cats have, have frankly lacked a little bit of explosiveness on on the outside from the receiver position for a couple of years and you know assuming hunter has, is confident and and assuming the wide receivers play well i think it this offense can surprise some people and, and ted as you mentioned it all starts up front and um you know i think the coaching staff has done a great job with the offensive line as you mentioned Dan, that's one thing that I get asked all the time is about the big play potential for this offense. It's 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 not been a team that uh, comes up with huge explosion plays in the pass game. Uh, they did a few times last year, but but uh, you know not not the uh, the big explosive seventy yard type plays that that you look for i i guess what does it take to get that into the offense no i think it's just a it's it's really a function of designing and throwing those plays right i was at at practice a couple times in in the off season and i think they're they're definitely focusing on pushing the, the ball down the field a little bit more than they've done in the past um because as we know you know college football lives and dies on on big plays whether that be turnovers or, or explosion plays from the running game and the passing game I just think, you know, you, you got some, some more confident wide receivers now with, with Bryce Curtis and Stephon Robinson and, and Genson Hooper Price that I think can, you know, GHP specifically has some, some big playability because he's a bigger guy. Um, so I, I assume that, you know, early in the game, you're going to see kind of, kind of like last year with, with Ramsey, um, but Jake can get him, com- get Hunter comfortable with some, some moving the pocket, short passing game. Um, just get his get his you know catches and confidence up, and then I, I think from there, as as the game progresses, take some more shots downfield. Because you know while Hunter did struggle a couple of years ago, he's he's one of the more talented guys to, to throw the football there. You know in a while, probably since since Clayton, and, and maybe you know even even right there with Clayton. So I think he's got all the arm talent in the world, and you know if his confidence comes along, it, it could be something where we see a lot more you know down the field uh, passes. Uh, Ted, we know where you stand on the offensive line, <laughs> so let's let's flip it to the defense here. I, I think we all feel pretty confident in uh, 
in this defensive line. Uh, Even though, you know, you look at guys they've lost over the last couple of years, Joe Gaziano, Ernest Brown, uh, they they get a guy in Samdup Miller coming back this year who opted out last year. They've added a couple of transfers. Uh, to the defensive line, and that's that's where it starts for this defense. So give me your thoughts on how this defense can overcome the loss of Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher and, and Greg Newsom from that defensive unit. Well, uh, Dave, that's a very, very good question because Coach O'Neill is his first year as the new defensive coordinator, and I think that things are going to kind of stay the same in the sense that 75 of the old defense will stay intact, but he's going to bring some new flair, which represents a 25% change. I think he's more of aggressive uh, with his policies. I think you're going to see more blitz packages, and I think they're going to try to get after the opposition a little bit more. But, you know, it's not Jake's and Joe's. It's, it's, it's Jake's and Joe's, not X's and O's, man. The guy's got to perform no matter who's calling the plays behind you. And I think... When you talk about that defensive line, Dave, you also have to talk about the linebacking crew. And I think a guy like Pete uh, McIntyre, who has really sat behind for the last two, three years and played beautiful special teams, he has waited his turn. And now he's going to play for those linebackers you just named that have, that have gone, and he's going to have to step in and do the job. Also, Cleed Jones, number 44, is another linebacker that's been waiting a long time. And then the, the other brother of Gallagher, Bryce Gallagher, is also going to have to step up. So there's a lot of, of, of this firm called 2.0 from a year ago, the <laughs> Irish firm. Uh, now, now it's a new firm. And let's see if they can support you know, that defense. So does Chris Bergen become senior partner now of the law firm? How does that work? Senior- Senior partner and moved up from COO operating officer to CEO. That's that's good. That's good. Uh, Brandon Joseph, so impressive last year as a freshman. Led the nation. Six interceptions. A Big Ten freshman of the year. And I heard him say something on the media call this week, which I thought really rang true. And I think you kind of hear it over and over again, Dan, and that is he played his first uh, season actually getting to play, he played in front of empty stadiums, and he, he made all these great plays, and he didn't have fans there to cheer him on, and he said it was kind of sad, which I think as a, as a player you can relate to, right? But I've got to think that being back in the stadium – with, with fans in the stands and a, and a home crowd, uh, that's really going to be more of a factor than it would be under normal circumstances. And Lord knows this has been anything but normal. No, I agree. And, and you know, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, I, I feel bad for the players last year. I, Ted and I were talking before the show. I, I couldn't imagine, make, you know, throwing a touchdown or, or making a big play and just looking around to empty stadiums and, and the sideline going nuts for me. It's just, it would be surreal. So I think, you know, all things considered, they did a great job um, of creating their own juice and, and, and pushing things forward. But yeah, I think it's, it's a huge, you know, just a jolt to your adrenaline, right. And, you know, the folks that have played understand what that means to your game, especially on defense, you know, you get an extra half step, another half inch in that vertical, 
you know, some crazy things happen when this when the fans are in the stands and you just have that much adrenaline flowing through your veins, which I'm sure they did and and Brandon did last year. Um, but you know, it's something that could just elevate his play even more. The one thing you worry about is you don't want him to to get too excited and and you know too overwhelmed and and get out of his comfort zone and and take too many risks. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but you know, the, the the back end of this defense is exciting, and I think you know, starting with Brandon Joseph. I was talking with some of the, the folks at Northwestern yesterday, and they, they really feel like they have three starting cornerbacks and three starting safeties. So um, that would start, you know, on most programs in the Big Ten. So I think they're very confident, you know, up front. They're very confident in the back end, um, confident in Pete McIntyre and Chris Bird. And I think the mic is, is and as Ted alluded to, it's, it's just a little bit of a question mark. There's a lot of talent there, um, but, you know, not a lot of experience. So I think, you know, both of those guys – uh, both Gallagher and, and Jones have have a lot of talent, um, but there's no substitute for playing. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on because that's a centerpiece of this defense. All right, uh, Ted. I know we got to spring you here, but just a, a final thought. Give us a guy that you are really anxious to see on the football field in this game against Michigan State. Well, uh, I think AJ Hampton. AJ Hampton is really taking off and stepping into the shoes of Newsom, who obviously was a top number one pick last year in the NFL draft. And I think he's going to lead that secondary. And I think he's he he and Joe Spivak, those two guys got more juice than anything, but he's going to be in a real leadership role. He's going to be in that secondary, and they're going to be tested in this very first game against a very good receiving core of Michigan State. And he knows that. And he, he, he talked about that this week. So I think A.J. Hampton is going to have a great year. He's going to, he's going to bring the spark to that secondary, and uh, they're, they're going to need his leadership. See, I thought you were going to say Joe Spivak first. So, <laughs> <laughs> being your your favorite interview of all time, yeah. perhaps. And, yes. Except for Dan Persa. I mean, I, I, I don't want to leave him out of the conversation. Yeah, I'm a little dry for Ted. <laughs> Persa is my favorite player of all time, Dave, in 28 years of doing the game. So. There you go. There you go. It. All right. Hey, Ted, we'll, we'll talk to you on Friday. How about that? Okay, boys. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks. Well, Dan, I don't know about you, but I'm just I'm glad that we're getting back to the season. And look, things are anything but normal in the world right now, but – there is sort of a sense of normalcy around college football <laughs> compared to where we were this time last year. We didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, here we are now. It's Labor Day weekend, traditionally the time that the games begin. A- and to have a Friday night game at home, even though I'm a big proponent of playing college football on Saturday, playing high school games on Friday, I think everything's a little different Labor Day, people have schedules, they're traveling, whatever. And I think in this particular case, I, I kind of like the uniqueness of it. And I like the idea that uh, the Wildcats and the Spartans in this case are pretty much, aside from a few other games, going to have the national spotlight to themselves. No, I agree. I think it's it's a great way to get, get things started and, and agreed on giving the, the Friday night a pass for the for first game of the year. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement and hopefully uh, a lot of fans are, are comfortable showing up. And I think, you know, the, the Spartan faithful will, will be in full force. So I think um, at the end of the day, it'll be a, a pretty good atmosphere. 
um, I'm, I'm just excited to be there as a fan and, and continue to watch the game and, and support Northwestern. It's like you said, anything, anything but normal right now, but, but obviously more normal than we were last. You and I were both out at, at practice, and you mentioned Hunter Johnson's talent, physical talent. That's not been an issue with him. You've you've watched him de- develop. You saw him play in 2019 when he opened the season as the starting quarterback for the Wildcats. What does he need to do to take the step that everyone's expecting of him? I think just, like I said before, before just you know really develop his confidence right and i think coach bajakian does a really good job of, of getting quarterback comfortable early in the game with with set calls and moving the pocket and frankly i think it'd be helpful to have a little bit of a quarterback run game and just get him hit right get the juices flowing and know that he can take a hit and get back up and um it's really just going to take time to to build confidence you know unfortunately his his last start at the beginning of the year was against stanford and i think his first his first pass was intercepted. So I think, you know, he was probably uncomfortable coming into that season to begin with. And then you have an interception and then your, your confidence takes a dive. So I think it's really important, especially early in the game and, and the first game to build his confidence and, and make sure he plays within himself. And then each, each series and then each game build on that confidence and, and continue to let his natural ability take over. Well, you know, one thing against Michigan State, he's got to get hit. And uh, that, so that probably won't be much of an issue getting him into the uh, the flow of things early on. You know, one of the highlights of this podcast, Dan, is Super Joe's Pick of the Week. Super Joe Romano is here. He's going to take us through some of the, the key games this week and the lines and what we can expect on this week one of the college football season. All right, what you got, Super Joe? Hey, how we doing boys so i think my least favorite week besides it actually coming back and being college football season again is picking week one games so i actually have two season win totals and then obviously i'm going to pick the northwestern game okay so i like the minnesota over which right now is at seven and they get off to a tough start hosting ohio state on thursday night but after that it's mostly home games they play on the road against iowa they're on the road against indiana which who i think is overrated i like that for plus money and then my michigan wolverines as matt was talking about earlier in the podcast i do not like them to get to eight wins i don't know if that means the end of harbaugh but i do think michigan has trouble um you know not getting to bowl eligibility but i don't think that they will reach eight wins this year and then northwestern at home friday night Laying three, I think that's a blowout. It's a game where you, you got to get back. You're you're playing Michigan State. It's a it's a, a revenge game of sorts. And I love love that Brandon Johnson won the uh, the starting quarterback job. Yeah, Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson. I'm sorry. Hunter Johnson uh, is. We'll we'll see. We'll find out early. And of course, uh, Ryan Holinsky, Andrew Marty are they're waiting in the wings. But you know, I would think Dan that. Fitz isn't isn't going to have a quick hook with Hunter Johnson. I mean, I, I think you commit to a guy, and you you want to see him get an opportunity here to show what he can do, and 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 see what happens, right? I mean, you know, as a quarterback, you don't want somebody um, horse collaring you out of bounds, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think at the end of the day, as long as there's not catastrophic mistakes by Hunter, he's going to have a longer leash, right? He, he earned the job for a reason. He was clearly better than the other quarterbacks, and, and the coaches are more comfortable with him. So it doesn't really make a ton of sense to pull him after you know one interception or if he, if he struggles early. 
But at the end of the day, if, if he's had a rough game and the cats are still in the game, you know, come the fourth quarter, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be against the switch if, if he, if coach Fitz and, and coach Jake don't think he can, can win the game for them. But I, I don't, to your point, I don't think it's going to be a short leash um, unless he, he looks, you know, very uncomfortable or has made some catastrophic mistakes. Um, but I think at the end of the day, they're going to let him try to try to work things out. I'll tell you, there's some really interesting matchups. I love the idea of conference games to start the season. How about you, Joe? I mean, it's just jump right into it. I mean, and Northwestern, by the way, the last two times they've opened the season with a Big Ten game last year and also in 2018, they've gone on to win the Big Ten West. They beat Purdue in West Lafayette in 18, and then, of course, last year opened with a blowout win over Maryland. But have some great games this weekend just in the Big Ten with two top 20 matchups. I think it gets the fans blood boiling a little bit early. You know, rather than going and facing a, a D2 school or a, a, a school from the MAC, no, no, you know, no shade to yep. them, but you, you get somebody from the Big Ten Conference right away and everybody knows it's football season straight out the go. Penn State at Wisconsin, 19 visiting 12, and the first time Penn State's gone into Madison uh, I think in eight years. Indiana at Iowa, 17 versus 18 in that one. And plus a test for Ohio State on the road on Thursday night at Minnesota. So should be a great opening weekend. And a reminder, we're going to be with you every week. We'll get these podcasts up on Tuesdays and and as long as we hold together here physically. And uh, we hope that you will check in with us every week. And uh, Dan Persa, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, buddy? Sounds good. Very excited. It'll be a great weekend overall. All right. Thanks. That's Collegiately Speaking. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Joe Romano. Thanks also to Matt Fortuna and to Ted Albrecht. I'm Dave Ennett, and we'll talk to you next week.